You know, if you haven't checked out What Chaos yet, you oughta, because we've had all your favorite players on the show. I'm talking Seth Jones, Lena Solmar, Connor Bedard, whoever it may be. We're live every day on YouTube at noon Eastern, but also available on all podcast platforms, including the one you're listening to right now. We got guests, and yeah, we're also doing a bit of chit-chat, goofing around, laughing at what makes us laugh in hockey. So regardless of how deep you are into your hockey fandom, Come listen to What Chaos. We'll talk about your favorite team. We'll talk about your least favorite team and everybody in between. And we're having a ton of fun doing it every single day, Monday through Thursday. It's What Chaos, presented by All City Network. Welcome into the CHGO Blackhawks postgame podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. What's up? Good evening. I'm Jay Zawoski here with Mario Tirabasi. Greg Boyson is at the United Center and will join us on the show shortly. We appreciate you being here. If you're with us on YouTube, make sure you smash that like button and hit that subscribe button as well. And if you're listening to the podcast, we always appreciate that as well. Subscribe there. Turn on those notifications so you know when episodes drop. We got a big week of shows this week. We'll get to that as we move on. Uh, But uh, we've got a guest on tomorrow. We've got a guest on Friday. So lots of stuff to get to. But Mario, let's start with this one. Uh, 3-0 loss to the Hurricanes in a very hurricane kind of game where uh, <laughs> they get their lead and they're just very content yeah. to hold that lead and not give up a lot. I don't really... The last couple games I was pissed mm-hmm. after the game, especially uh, the game against the Kings. I can't really muster up any anger in this one. This is what we all signed up for. Yeah. This was mm-hmm. a 100% a Stanley Cup contender versus a team that is tanking. The difference in this game was absolutely talent. That's what it was. Oh, 100%. The Hurricanes are faster. They're deeper. They're better in really every aspect. The Blackhawks were frustrated. At the end of the second, you could hear frequently sticks being banged against the boards, uh, doors slamming. The Hawks were frustrated by the Hurricanes. And guess what? The Hurricanes do that to a lot of teams. So... This is what a tank looks like. And for everyone that was concerned after the win over the Ducks the other night, I'm telling you, this team is not good, and they can't hang on most nights, and this game was a perfect illustration. Yeah, I, I, I think we're, we're still seeing a team that is just not able to get things going against better competition, and you can give them as many power plays as you like. And when Mackenzie Antwistle and Jujar Kara are on a power play unit together, (laughs) um, the the offense is not not necessarily going to be there. And and I think not having Tyler Johnson and not having Seth Jones um, contributes to that. Because you're you're piecemealing a power play together with Kara and Entwistle and Philip Roos and Caleb Jones as your top power play quarterback. Like it's not a recipe for success. And I know that the, that's not the kind of cookbook that Kyle Davidson is trying to open this year. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's just when you, when you, when you, you can, you can envision and see how the Blackhawks were able to muster up a comeback win against, uh, against Anaheim and basically how they've been able to do it against a couple of teams this year. But when you get down to it, 
as we get into more of the thick of the season and they play these better teams, the Carol, you know, Carolina, uh, a, a perfect example of that. It's a, that's a team that knows how to play with a lead and knows how to put a team away. Uh, we, we, we were, we were talking just before the, sh- the, the show began, um, how basically like nothing happened in the third period. That was just Carolina saying, okay, yeah, let's, we're, we're going to have a let's clean, out of here. clean 20 minutes. Let's get on the bus and get yep. out of here. Uh, teams, teams that are able to do that will be able to do that against this, this Blackhawks team frequently this year. And, and I think this isn't the crash down to earth that I think a, a lot of us have kind of been expecting to uh, see from the Blackhawks, but it's definitely just coming down slowly to the, to, to the average of what this team is supposed to is, is supposed to be. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was just a, a night where they couldn't get anything going offensively. Like Jonathan Taze had a great game from the faceoff dot, um, and winning faceoffs is important because you want to start every play that you can with the is puck. <laughs> yeah, but it comes down to what can you do then uh, with the puck. And for the Blackhawks, it, it's just it's just not there. There's just something just off. Um, and I think most of it comes down to just this is just the team that's on the ice. Yeah, that's it. And it's funny you mentioned Jujar Kara on the power play. Greg and I were talking during the game and uh, commenting on that specific thing. And we just we decided we're going to make a like a living Google document that the <laughs> three of us can update. And we're just going to put in like things that happened during the rebuild that when the rebuild's over, we can revisit. So when, yeah. you know, Connor Bedard is with the Blackhawks <laughs> and they're and Frank Nazar is centering that line and they're in the deep into playoffs, we can reference that. Remember when Jujar Kara was on the power play? Mm-hmm. Remember when Mackenzie Entwistle was on that power play every single game? Like, look, this is by design. This yeah. is how it's gonna look. And th- they're playing hard. They responded. And Luke Richardson was really, really good at the morning skate today. We got a lot to get to on this show, but don't miss the first half of tomorrow's show. We're going to talk to Liam McHugh at 3, but at 2.30 we're going to get into what Luke Richardson had to say today. It was fantastic. We're not going to spoil it for you, um, but look forward to that on tomorrow's show at 2.30. Um, but we're going to make this document of, like, re- remember <laughs> this this moment. And yeah, you see them out there, and you see what they're trying to do. You see these players trying to make a play happen, trying to get a pass back, trying to bank a pass off the boards, and they just don't have the elite skill it takes to execute it. When the Dynasty Hawks were trying to make the same plays, they were on the tape. They worked because they had so much damn skill Mm -hmm. that everybody on the team was able to, you know, instead of missing that pass by a foot or whatever, it would be right on the tape. That's the difference, and you could see Carolina, when they bank a pass off the boards, the the player receiving the pass would get it in stride. Whereas the Hawks, the guy would have to kind of break back and reach a stick back and try to retrieve it. Then they'd be off sides. It's those little things mm-hmm. that interrupt the flow of the game that the skill the skill is just so so lacking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it, it, like you said. It's it's by design. There there's very few uh, players on this team. That you could say like, oh, yep, they're they're at the top of their game or anything like that. Like it's just, it's just not there. And I I think we will eventually get to the point where 
games like tonight seem like they're going to be the expectation. I think for I think the way the season has started, uh, you know, I was joking with I was joking with Steven uh, in, in in the office tonight as the game was going on. You know, they're down one nothing, down two nothing. Well, you got to go down two goals to come back from two goals, right? Well, I, I that's just not the way that this team is going. This, this team isn't isn't built to sustainably be able to do that. Um, and you saw it tonight against Carolina. Like uh, w- one thing that that always bugs me is the Blackhawks power play strategy and their their zone entry strategy with the you know the the drop pass or yeah. the slingshot. And I just I know a lot of teams use it in the NHL. A lot of teams use it effectively. Since I've seen the Blackhawks use it as the as the primary way that they want to set up their power play, I cannot tell you how many times it has frustrated me to see a player cycle with the puck behind their net get all the way to the to the the center ice and just with with speed and just drop it back and i'm just like you've and yeah. then and then and, you, and the you, purpose is to drop it to someone who's entering with speed you're already doing you're that. already there and you have <laughs> you give the you give the defensive uh team the penalty killing team extra time to then regroup because oh okay well this person's not coming up with the puck I have time to get into a better position because now a second person is coming with the puck and you just jam up the 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 blue line and and and, and Carolina is so good at defending the 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 is is so good on the power or on the penalty kill that just the Blackhawks and I just had so many opportunities to try and dump the puck in and try and go and retrieve it because the blue line was just jammed up and they absolutely just could not do it or or just refuse to do it. And I, I just, I can't, I just get so frustrated at that because it just seems like the one thing that you need, that they could try to, like getting into the zone and setting up the power play, they work on, you know, the, the power play setup, flipping Max Domi and Patrick Kane, putting Jonathan Taze in different positions. Like, that's all good. If you can't get into the zone and set no up point. the power play, what's the, what's, what's the, what's the point? Yeah, I, once they're set up, it's okay. Right. right? Like, tonight can, was a You can good, try and get things working. Yeah, but they're, you, imagine you're skating in from the defensive zone. You get to the Carolina blue line, and there are... Seven people standing right still in front of you. on that blue line. Yeah, no one's moving except the puck carrier. You ever played Red Rover? Yes, that's exactly what it is. And look, I get like I know Patrick Kane and Andreas Thanasiu have the ability to stick handle through traffic and make things happen. But when you've got everyone on the ice standing completely still. They all have to start from zero then. Mm-hmm. Even if you enter clean, you've got all those guys waiting for you, like sitting at the blue line waiting right. for you to enter the zone. Is he going to make it? Is he going to make it? Okay, he made it. Great. Now that player's in the zone by himself you have to while the in. rest of them have to regroup and get into position. It doesn't make sense. And early in the season, preseason, they weren't doing that. No. They weren't using that slingshot power play. I don't know what all of a sudden has changed it just all it does is it kills penalty power play time, right? Because it takes seconds. To do. There was literally a part in this game where Caleb Jones had the puck at center ice, skated back behind the Hawks net just to bring it up and drop it off again. That kills fifteen seconds mm-hmm. of a two minute power play. That's that yeah. is it's it's a waste of time. It just seems like one of the easiest power play entry strategies to defend because you just jam up the blue line and then 
whoever's defending the, the puck carrier play behind him. Yeah. Because you take away you take away the pass and essentially you have a four on you have a four on four situation until the until the trailer catches up if they get the puck into the zone. Right. It just yeah, it, it's, really frustrates me. It and is it's, a, it, it's very frustrating. It's and I know part that's, of why the offense you know if yeah. it, like we've said, if you're gonna be if you're gonna be beaten at five on five to at least sustain some sort of success, you have to be good on the power play. And the Blackhawks don't have that ability right now. Well, and another frustrating element of this game is when they had power play time, you still have players, namely Max Domi, who had three shots on goal in this game. Mm-hmm. He should have had seven or eight. Yeah. He had he takes opportunities and passes on them. Dude, it's three to nothing. Throw the puck at the net and see what happens. They're trying to tic-tac-toe, highlight reel, globetrotter, all these goals. It's not going to work. You've got Mackenzie Entwistle and Jujar Kara on the power play. You're not going to be able to skate circles and give and go with people. Get the puck to the point. Get traffic in front. Get pucks on net. It's just not that complicated. And when you do have a good look, take it. Take the shot. Maybe you get a rebound. Maybe you get a weird bounce. You know, Stahl had a, a – he was in the, the high slot, had a shot. He's like, what the hell? I'll throw it through. Right. And it went in. It doesn't have to be that it, – it just is not that complicated. And I, I would think, like, when you put guys out there, like Entwistle, like Kara, uh, if you put Lafferty out there, whoever, that that group would sort of simplify things. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes can be the answer. To right. getting the power play going again is just do it. Just set up, get the puck on net, and get traffic in front. That's how power plays work. Yes, now and again, you're going to see a spectacular cross-ice pass like Kane and Panarin and Kane and Debrinkit used to do fine, but the vast majority of power play goals in this league are shots from the point or from the slot through traffic. That's it. Yeah. It's that is it's how goals are scored in this league. And a lot of times this season, the reason the Blackhawks have been able to find success is by playing just simple. Right. And and that was that's kind of been how we've been kind of praising Luke Richardson is coming in and and telling the Blackhawks, telling this team like play a simple game. You don't have to overthink. It it's hockey. Like north and south, pucks on net, get rebounds get traffic in front of the goalie and and it, you can find success. It doesn't have to be a, a complicated game if you don't have the ability to play a complicated game. And and I think the 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 team can get sucked into these trends of trying to you know stretches of hockey where they're trying to really just be the old Blackhawks of the early 2010s where you could you could play that way because you had five, six, seven elite players on the team that could that could play that way and, and carry everyone through. Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane can't carry everybody through. Max Domi and Andreas Thanasiu, they're good players. They're not elite-level players. They don't have the ability to continuously always play that way. So it's just, yeah, those it, two it's just on, straying away from the simplicity that brought success early this season. Right. Those two guys, Domi and Thanasiu, on the dynasty teams are third-liners. Yeah, maybe. at best. You know, yeah. like that's that's where they belong. And and you could see, I don't know if, if Patrick Kane is getting frustrated with them. I don't want to say like he's mad at them, but you can sense Kane's frustration that things are just not working out the way he's used to. He's yeah. always had that running mate, mm-hmm. right? He's always had that guy. It was Taves. It was Panarin. It was Debrinkit. 
even Dylan Strom, you know, last mm-hmm. year, they started to really find a chemistry. And, yeah, those things take time, of course, right? It takes time. Yeah. But you can see the frustration starting to mount for number 88, and you can't blame him because he's trying to do it all, and you see him on the power play. He's out there the entire power play trying to make things happen, and there's just no one that is on his level hockey-wise. And it's it's weird that they made the switch in their power play setup to put him on the left side rather than the right side, which he's basically played his entire career. Entire career, yeah. And I don't know if if they're surprising anybody. Is it because Domi's left-handed? I think it is. That's got to be it. Yeah, because when they ma- when they first made the change, it was uh, Taze in the in the in the middle in the bumper roll. Yeah, Domi on the right and Radish in front, and all of them are left shots. So it's, I think it's just trying to get they're what they're trying to do. In, in from what I understand, uh, they're trying to get Kane to be able to set up three different shooting options, and he with this with this setup with the players that they have to use. They don't have that with him on the right side, but it's it's really just kind of trying to fit a guy who's been an all-star caliber player, a Hall of Fame caliber player, who's been a power play monster his entire career, putting him in a completely different position with lesser talent. I mean, frustration and lack of results, like that's that's going to happen. Yeah, I want to get to some of the comments here. We haven't gotten any yet, and we appreciate everybody being here and hanging out with us. Reminder to smash that like button if you're on YouTube. I uh, got a comment here from Paul. He says, when Kane gets traded, does the mentality of others change more to a shoot-first way of thinking on the power play? I think there is a bit yeah. of truth to that. I think there is a lot of guys trying to defer to Patrick Kane. Uh, that Max Domi is definitely doing that. He is definitely trying to get Kane the yeah. puck whenever he can. I think... Maybe if he is gone at some point this year, you do see this power play simplified just by necessity, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I have talked to players that have said it is difficult to play with Patrick Kane. He is very unpredictable. He is he can make something out of nothing. You know, you one second you think you're out of the play, the next second the puck's coming your way perfectly, and you got to be ready for it. He can be tough to play with. Now, Alex DeBrinkin or Tommy Panarin didn't seem to mind, right? He they made those guys out, yeah. a ton of money, and and if you, if you got enough skill and enough time, you can figure it out. But he does make things a little more complicated on the ice. That said, there's no way in hell the Hawks' power play is going to be better with without Patrick Kane. Um, than it does uh, with him, you know. So, uh, I don't know. I, I do think it will look different. Yeah. To answer the question. Yeah, I think I think a lot can change uh, with this team and, and the way that they play if you don't have a guy like Patrick Kane out there. And it's I don't want to say I hope for it, um, but it you you want to be able to see more players have a little bit more confident in themselves when they have opportunities to make a play themselves. Mm-hmm. Max Domi, I, I, I hate to keep ragging on him, but, man, you keep passing up open shooting lanes. You're, you're, there's going to be there's gonna be reason to to, to, to comment on it and, and for us to talk about it. And it just seems like he had, a, he had an opportunity on a power play and, f- like, faked a slap shot to do, like, a dump pass back to the, to the blue line. And it's like, he's like 10 feet from the net. Just like, dude, just rip yeah. it. Like, who cares about being fancy or trying to, you know, trying to set up, uh, you know, set up a, a different angle. Like, you have the angle there. Shoot. Like, I don't know. I, I, it just at some point, 
the the director and and the Blackhawks have had to Luke Richardson has had to do this for this team is already this season has been like hey we got to just remember you have to shoot the puck to score so you know get back to that that simplicity yep that's uh, certainly a necessity uh the Lebowski 5 says I'm a sentimental naive Blackhawks meatball I'd like Kane and Taves to be here when the Hawks are a cup contender again I think that's really unlikely even if they both resign Right, let's say they each sign yeah. three more years. They're not going to be cup contenders in three years. I mean, if Bedard comes, maybe. Right, like if a if lot is, would have to go. If right. he is as expected, they'd also have to land a marquee like free agent, Austin Matthews level free agent, mm-hmm. um, which is not out of the realm of possibility. But they'd, they'd there's a lot to, of things that have to go right for them to be contenders that quickly. They'd have to basically have both guys come back, win the draft lottery this year. Sign a a, a top end free agent this summer, another one in the t- summer of twenty twenty four, and then have Seth Jones basically get back to his you know twenty seventeen twenty eighteen form, and Arvid Soderbloom is the yeah. real deal. Like there's a lot, and that's yeah, just well, yeah. some of what would have to go right. And like you know, you talk about like Seth Jones. Seth Jones will become a more effective player when he's not playing 25 minutes a night doing everything. And, you know, maybe if Kevin Korczynski becomes a guy who looks like he's going to become and they find a couple other defensemen to take that next step, right, Mm -hmm. then it takes some of the pressure off Jones. Right now, when Jones is healthy and you've got Kane and Taves, it's basically those three trying to do everything for the team. Mm -hmm. To create offense. And it's not... It's just not sustainable. It's just, it's, it's, and look, again, this, this is what the season is. Yeah. It's what we signed up for. It means it's actually working, uh, you know, that the right. team looks this way. And it, it is hard. It is hard to watch night after night the offense struggle. But hopefully, you know, at the, at the end of the, at the end of the tunnel here, there's another long stretch of really, really competitive Hawks again. Is That's it the hope. three Stanley Cups? Probably not. No. But, you know, it, it could, be, uh, could be maybe a cup, and I, I would be uh, really, really happy with that. Speaking of happy, went to the uh, the deli this week and got my wife the Green Ridge Farm uh, deli oven roasted chicken. Nice. And I was sitting at the table with her like two days later, and she's eating lunch, and she goes, she just like slams her hand on the table. She's like, this is the best damn chicken I've ever had. I go, I'm going to start bringing you in. To do these Green Ridge Farm reach. She's like, I'll do it for free because I love it. She loves the Green Ridge Farm lunch meat. Uh, you can find those in all your grocers' uh, deli cases, of course. Uh, they are a Chicago local meat and cheese company offering you, the Blackhawks fan, a better all-natural option. Uh, they are known for, of course, their deli meats, like we said, and those fantastic meat sticks that mm-hmm. were out at the tailgate again. Mm-hmm. Perfect for happy hour. Perfect for school lunches. They're all natural. Hardwood smoked for eight hours. They've got 16 grams of protein per stick. And they make a perfect post-workout snack, I guess. Meat sticks come in chicken, black forest beef, and flavors like jalapeno cheddar. And my favorite, the spicy chili. If you haven't tried them yet, you don't know what you're missing. So here's a way to try them. Go to GreenRidgeFarm.com. When you order any three meat products, include a pack of meat sticks in your cart. Those meat sticks will be free by using the code CHGO at checkout. That's it. You want free meat sticks? Add three meat products to your cart at GreenRidgeFarm.com. 
Use the code CHGO. Put some meat sticks in there, and those are free. They are awesome. And the tailgate, we had them for the first time warmed up, or at least I did. I didn't even think to do that. I was just eating them right out of the fridge. Oh, You needed them to be uh, warmed up there. <laughs> just stick them in your pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are the, the, the heaters there for sure. Yeah, there you go. But grab yourself some Green Ridge Farm, be it the meat sticks, the lunch meat, uh, the sausages. Everything is absolutely fantastic. It is our new go-to uh, meat uh, provider. Green Ridge Farm, simply natural meat. And if uh, you're a fan of the meat... Meat sticks, Green Ridge Farm, all that good stuff. Uh, it's going to brighten up your day. Oh, okay. I was wondering where you were going with this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you like meat? You might like sunglasses. Yeah, no, it's going to brighten up your day, and, and when your day is bright, you got to uh, put on those shady rays, even at night. Sunglasses at night are uh, acceptable. The The 80s are back. and Sure. Yeah. Bring back the sunglasses at night. And you're going to be looking great in your shady rays sunglasses, and you're going to be doing it at an affordable price. They never understood why sunglasses were so expensive, so they set out to change it. You don't got to break the bank for quality sunglasses this fall because our friends at Shade Rays have you covered. They are premium, polarized shades featuring world-class optical clarity, substantial durability, which is always great with sunglasses, and styles catered to everyone and every lifestyle. Best part about Shady Rays is their protection program and their replacement program. Lost or broken, doesn't matter. Shady Rays is going to do what they can to get those uh, sunglasses back on your beautiful faces. If you lose it, you lose your sunglasses or break them, or if you uh, are like me and drop them into the lake, doesn't matter. Shady Rays is going to replace those glasses free of charge. Even with that strong of a protection program, they still manage to make quality sunglasses that uh, are just the best, just the best. And, and you know, we, we talk about the weather getting colder, the seasons changing and everything like that, shady rays. You're still going to need sunglasses because when, oh, the, when the snow comes, and it might, be, real as, thing. It might be here uh, as soon as, tom- as tomorrow morning, uh, when that snow is nice and fresh and white and the sun comes up and beams right off it, uh, I know it is absolutely terrible to for 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 me i've had horrible experiences in the winter driving when that snow is fresh and it's just oh, yeah. ugh, blinding uh shady rays they will come in handy this winter you don't need to be on the beach to wear sunglasses you can be in your car cranking the heat up to 85 trying to stay warm and exclusively for our listeners shady rays they are running their deepest deal of the season when you use promo code chgo you're going to get 50% off of two or more pairs of sunglasses at ShadyRays.com. Uh, I didn't go to school for math, but I know that buying uh, two sunglasses at 50% off is basically buy one to get one free. You can get two pairs for as low as $54. You can do that only at ShadyRays.com, where you find all of their newest and best shades. Again, the promo code is CHGO. All right, let's go out to the United Center and bring in our buddy Greg Boyson, who is joining us from the press box. I'm sure there's lots of pounding and slamming going on. Greg, what's up? What's up? What do we learn? Uh, stuff and things. Uh, got out of the elevator to come back up here and bumped into our good friend Troy Murray, who uh, wished me luck on making this one sound good on the post-game show. So we're going to give it our best shot. Uh, well, let's see. Um I mean, tonight is one of those nights that the talent gap between the Blackhawks and the Hurricanes is, is the difference. 
they just had a step on them the whole game. They, uh, you know, took advantage of the oper- the mistakes the Blackhawks made. And, and again, the Blackhawks cannot produce at five on five right now. They just they can't do it. Uh, you know, they 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 had they had a few chances. They had a decent shot night for shot totals, but how many of those are one and done? One shot and the puck's out of your zone. Meanwhile, on the other end, you know, they, they, they have trouble clearing the puck out of the zone. And, uh, you know, the Hurricanes then get, can get three, four, five scoring chances on one shift while the Blackhawks are pretty much uh, one and done all night long. And, and, and you know, Luke Richardson wasn't he, – he liked the effort. He said they played hard, and that was true. But, you know, when you're the Blackhawks who have, uh, you know, aspirations for a high draft pick and you're playing a team like the Hurricanes who have aspirations for the ultimate goal, the Stanley Cup, you're going to, you're probably, uh, when, when you turn pucks over, when you, when you can't clear the puck, you're, you're going to lose. Yeah, we were talking uh, before you jumped on, Greg, and, you know, unlike the game against L.A. and unlike the game against Anaheim, not a real problem with the effort in this one. It's just a matter of the ability to execute. And, you know, you mentioned the talent gap, and it's, it's, it's significant in this one. Um, what was Luke's tone after this one? Because he, he talked at the morning skate. We're going to play it on tomorrow's show at 2.30. Um, he had some great comments before the game today. Um, but what was his mood like after this one? Was he kind of satisfied, frustrated, pissed? What was, the, what was Luke's tenor? He was, didn't seem upset, but he rarely ever does. Uh, which then, you know, I, and I, that's a good thing because when he does get upset, it, it has a lot more purpose. It has a lot more uh, effect. Uh, but he he was overall satisfied with with the team's performance. Um, you know, he just said they, you know, the effort was there. They worked hard to the end. They just couldn't get the bounces. They couldn't get the puck across the goal line. Um, he, he gave a lot of credit to Hurricanes on. On the way they're forwards, both back check and fort check, he said, even though we dominated at the faceoff dot, as soon as we got the puck on a win, they were right on us and we couldn't do anything with it. They smothered us. So even though Jonathan Tate won almost every single one of his faceoffs, it was like, okay, now we have puck possession, but we can't do anything with it because there's a white jersey on, on top of us. Uh, and Taves mentioned that in his, his talking to us after the game too, that it was just like – Every time they turned around, there was a white jersey, and it just smothered them. And then when they did have those chances, they couldn't bury them or they didn't get a bounce. Richardson uh, mentioned that uh, the shot that Domi hit the post, and he says, and he said Patrick Kane it was right there for, for the carom off the post. It just bounced right over his stick. He says, you know, they were in the right spots. They just couldn't get that, that bounce to go their way. And then, you know, the Hurricanes, when they had the bounces, they made their own breaks and they took advantage of it, and, and that was the biggest difference. There's a sentiment tonight just basically shrug your shoulders, move on to the next uh, next game? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, this morning, after morning skate, he, you know, Luke Richardson was all about the start of the game. We've got it. He was... He was upset still about the way the first period went down in Anaheim, and he said they have to play better to start. And he was okay with the first period, even though they were down 2 nothing. Again, uh, 15, uh, 11 times this season, 11 of the 15 games, they've surrendered the first goal of the game. 
seven of those 11 times they've gone down at least two nothing. You can't keep doing that. And he said that too. He says, we have to figure out how to score first and early and get momentum on our side. We can't keep playing from behind because as the season goes on, you're not going to be able to make those comebacks, especially against a team like Carolina. Once they got that second goal, it was like, and the way, and the, and the way that their, their rookie goalie was playing, it was like game over. It's, it's, there was very little energy in this building tonight, uh, at least off the ice. And it just felt like, even from puck drop, it felt like they didn't have much of a shot tonight. You know, it's interesting you mentioned always playing from behind. And if the Hawks are going to start, like, picking up points and, and winning games realistically, the only way they're going to do it is by getting a lead and holding it because they're not horrible defensively. Yes, there are some horrible defensive lapses. We haven't mentioned Caleb Jones's awful turnover mm. today. Uh, another tough one for him. Um, but overall, they're not like just getting housed defensively all the time, right? They're they're suppressing shots and and all those sort of things. If they can get a lead, a two nothing lead, they should be able to hold it for a while. You would think, but it's just they don't have the offense to constantly play catch up in these games you don't have jared tenorti scoring too low. you can't rely on jared tenorti every <laughs> night damn it it's just you can't it's it's they just don't have the horses and we're as as we were, were at the at the game greg mario and i were joking on the show about jujar Kara on the power play that just shows you oh my god how little talent is on this team right now yeah i mean that second power play tonight was jujar Kara, mackenzie entwistle philip kershev Andrea Thompson at CU and uh, Caleb Jones, or was it Philip Roos? What difference does it make? That's not that's right. not a power <laughs> that's not a power play unit that's not striking fear at anybody. And if that's your second power play unit and you can't score at five on five, uh, there's an issue. The Blackhawks have one goal from a forward in the last four games. One goal scored by a forward in the last four games. That's it's almost just. That's why we were saying after that Anaheim game for all the hand-wringing about, oh, my God, we're going to get a, a, fifth, a 15th overall pick. Yeah, I think tonight you're probably not as worried as you were after Saturday's game. Yeah, I, I just I, – I said earlier uh, on the show, I don't think this is uh, a sign that it's it, this, that this game is the definitive crash back to earth for the Blackhawks, but it's definitely an example of, hey, like this is what – playing against a top team looks like for this team. And it, and the more that they face these kinds of opponents, the more that they uh, have these these lapses of, of offensive production and the more that they, you know, have these frustrations and, and not playing a simple game, the more you're going to see them come back down to exactly what they are built to be this season. And, and playing Carolina, uh, a team that's, a, a you know, got Stanley Cup aspirations, that's really going to frustrate a lot of a, a, a team like the Blackhawks nine times out of ten. Yeah, it's going to be interesting how they bounce back because now all of a sudden you got the red hot winners of three in a row, St. Louis Blues coming to town. who just beat the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, so okay. you know, two weeks ago I made the prediction that Craig Berube would no longer be the head coach of the St. Louis Blues when they got here. That changed. Uh, so you you got to figure out a way. And the Blues are another team that will be all over you the second you have the puck. And, uh, they're not as dynamic and as talented as the Hurricanes are, 
but they are a team that loves to pressure you, that loves to just keep on you and, and let you know that you've played against the Blues. So it's going to be a real tough bounce-back game for Wednesday, but uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. All right, shall we get to our uh, fourth stars of the game? Do we have to do this segment tonight? I mean, Yes, we absolutely yeah. must. This was maybe the most difficult four star of the game night since we've been on the air. Let's well, do it. And so why we make the big bucks. All right, the three stars of the game. Number three for the Carolina Hurricanes, Brent Burns. Uh, he's good. He's a good hockey player. You may have missed that. Still pretty good. Uh, 24-01 of ice time. Two assists, two shots on goal. Hey, a shot on goal. Uh, two more shot attempts and a giveaway. What a bum. This guy sucks. Uh, number two star, Jordan Martinuk. One of my favorite names in hockey. A goal and assist plus two. 13.59 of ice time. Uh, one shot, so that's 100% shooting, my friends. Hey. Uh, also credit with a hit. And he won one and lost one faceoff. That's good for 50%. And the number one star, no surprise, your friend and mine, Pyotr Kochekov. I, I, it was just like Joey's. He had to practice the name. Uh, he was he was really good. He stopped all 27 yeah. uh, Blackhawk shots. So there's your three stars. I'm going to give my four star to uh, Peter Morazic, who uh, was pretty good again. You know, he's actually been decent for the Hawks this year, um, all things considered. Um, none of the goals against him I really thought were his fault. No. Just kind of, they were what they were. He kept the Hawks in the game, uh, made a really nice glove save. I think that was on stall early in the game. Or no, it was uh, Sveshnikov. Mm-hmm. He made a nice uh, glove save on early in the game. He's just been solid keeping the Hawks in game, so he gets my four star. Uh, I am going to go with defenseman Philip Bruce. Uh, he um, set a new career high for ice time tonight with 1926. That's something. Uh, well, uh, over a minute uh, longer than the, the longest ice time he's had so far this season. Uh, second most ice time among all Blackhawks defensemen. Only uh, everybody's favorite defenseman, Caleb Jones, had more time on ice than Philip Roots. A couple shots on goal, a takeaway. You know, he's a guy that we've seen up and down, you know, uh, his play. He's a first-year player here in North America, but he had a solid game tonight. Obviously, the coaching staff agreed by giving him, you know, over almost 19 and a half minutes of ice time tonight. So uh, the pickings were slim tonight. So guy, a young defenseman setting a career high in ice time. Got to go with Silver. <laughs> sure, that's the game breaker. He's been, I think he's been looking better too, um, since he left the lineup for a while. Came back. I, he he's got that. Remember, we were watching him in the preseason and during camp, and we kind of noted how calm he looks. He just looks poised, like he's an older rookie. He's starting to look that way a little bit. And the last couple of games, he's shown a little bit of a red ass a few times, which shows me he's kind of starting to get comfortable a little yeah. bit. So I think he's been decent. So good for him. Yeah. He's, he's, he's definitely starting to find his footing. Um, my fourth star of the night is going to go to uh, Philip Kurashev. Uh, since he moved up to the top line, I think he's been able to find a little bit of uh, confidence in his game. Uh, he was around the puck a lot tonight. Uh, had, a few, had a few opportunities with Patrick Kane to try and set up some good scoring chances. Um, I think, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that, yeah, he's not going to be in your top six when this team is going – when this team is 
expected to be cup contenders again, but he's someone that I think can be part of the process as the Blackhawks go through a rebuild, someone who could uh, have a, uh, a, a contributing role there. And I think just playing more regular, you know, with more regularity in the lineup uh, in the, in the position that he's in and just gives him more confidence. I think that's going to give him uh, a little bit more of a jump to his game. And yeah, I think he had a, he had a, he had a pretty, pretty decent effort tonight where, you know, he, he was doing what he could to try and generate some offense. Definitely. Uh, a bunch of people in the chat shouting out Jonathan Taves. Uh, he played really well. He'll get a little bit of credit later in the show. Uh, but he won 18 of 22 faceoffs for 82%. At one point, he had won 15 of 16 going into the third period. He also led the Hawks with five shots on goal. Uh, Jonathan Taves continues to be the best Blackhawk. I don't think there's much question about it right now. He's been uh, doing it at all ends of the ice, putting the puck in the net uh, more often than he was last year. So, yeah, Taves was great, too. And uh, I think it was somebody said in the chat that Patrick Sharp uh, jumping into the booth today uh, made the broadcast better. I I got to say, getting into the press box and you walk in, there's like that big common area where everybody gathers like around the, the gummy bears, yeah. the non-Mark Bergevin contaminated gummy bears. <laughs> And Patrick Sharp is there, and there's just an aura <laughs> around him. And usually it's a, it's Charlie Romeliotis with the aura. Not quite <laughs> Patrick Sharp-level aura. But then Sharpie comes out, and there's just a glow. It's very strange. It's like a halo around him. Is it a tan? I don't think so. He just <laughs> emits this handsome energy that, yeah. I don't know, it's quite a thing. And, like, he's up there, and people are just like... There's, there's that, there's that men and women alike but, yeah yeah it, it's pretty it, you're right it, it's uh it's impressive yeah and greg and i were talking too it's it's always funny to be at the games and there's these out of context hockey players like tonight kirk maltby was there uh yeah. he's a scout for the red wings sure and uh he apologized me because he was like uh, blocking my way down the stairs, like, oh, sorry, man. I'm like, oh, no problem, Kirk Malpy. <laughs> it's just such a weird. It's, I don't know. I, I'll never get used to old hockey player from the my formative years as a hockey fan, like just being up there in just there. a suit. Yeah, it's just it's just a very strange, very strange thing. And yes, my instinct was to shove him down the stairs, but I do <laughs> like this job and I want to keep my credentials. So. Yeah. I, I fought the urge to push Kirk Malpy down. The I did think it was strange that he still had a giant visor on. It just seemed unnecessary for. <laughs> There's only one person we can push down the stairs this year, and that's that's for our girl Casey. So uh, yeah. Wait, wait. <laughs> All right. A little inside yeah. joke. We're not going to get into that. <laughs> that is an inside one. Oh, yes. Uh, one quick thing before uh, I wrap it up here. Uh, I don't know if you guys talked about that first goal that, that may or may not have been with a high stick. And I know some people are wondering why it wasn't challenged. Yeah. Uh, and, and Luke addressed that. Um, he's under the impression that that wasn't a challengeable play. Um, but he also said the video guys looked at it and it looked inconclusive and they had just killed off a penalty. So they didn't want to take a 50-50 shot if they could challenge it, they didn't want to take that 50-50 shot and go right back on the yeah, penalty right. kill. Mm-hmm. They, they said they, they looked at it quickly and they couldn't tell, but then he also said he, he believes that that is not a challengeable play, that you could challenge for a play being hit by a high stick uh, before a shot, but you can't challenge 
if the actual goal. I think I think that has to come from the refs. The refs have like Toronto has to buzz and say. It's not a coach's challenge. I don't know. If, yeah, I don't know if that's a hundred percent true, but I would think he's got a better grasp on it than I do. But um, yeah. even if they could challenge it, he said it was just too close and it wasn't worth it at that time of the game, right when you they fit, finished killing off a penalty. Yeah, I watching watching the game, watching the replay. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have challenged it because it. To me, it looked like it was not a high stick, and uh, yeah, uh, to Richardson's point, like coming off a penalty kill, if you for video review, if you don't have definitive like a definitive yeah. feeling that you're gonna win that, you don't you don't make that call. So yeah, yep. Yeah. Usually, right. usually when the puck goes up when it hits a stick, it's a fair uh, assumption to make that it wasn't hit by a high stick, and that puck ticked upwards off of that deflection and well, yeah, I, I mean, figured they were going to look at it long enough to figure out which one of those two guys got their stick on it because I couldn't tell at first but uh in the end uh it, it's kind of a moot point well it's I mean very good point by you Greg that if it is going if the puck is redirected up and it still enters the net then it wasn't hit with a stick that was over the crossbar Therefore, no high stick. Went under the bar, <laughs> then you can kind of have more of an argument. Yeah, simple physics, kid. Yeah. All right, Greg, do you want to stick around for the tank standings? Sure. All right, yeah. let's do it. Let's get let's get the tank standings here, and we'll let Greg go. All right, as Greg said earlier today, the St. Louis Blues beat the Colorado Avalanche, so that's beautiful. Your tank standings as of this moment. The Anaheim Ducks are your clubhouse leader with nine points in 15 games, four wins, 10 losses, one overtime loss. Columbus also nine points, but one fewer game played. They're four, nine, and one. Vancouver with 11 points in 16 games. Ottawa with 11 points in 15 games. St. Louis with 12 points in 14 games. That's your top five. The Blackhawks come in at 11th overall with 15 points in 15 games. Will not relinquish that 82-point pace that they've been on for about a week now. Uh, so the Hawks currently at 11 in the tank standings, and I think it's safe to say heading down because uh, the Blues are on the way up as we kind of predicted they would be. They're way too good to, to suck that badly yeah. for that long. Um, so, you know, they're going to be moving down, so we'll see. Thanks, Greg. Hey, I Grab me one of them brownies before you go. Oh, those are long gone. Those Damn it. <laughs> All right. I, you didn't put two or three in your bag before you left? That's the that's, that's Zawaski move. I, that's I, that's I the veteran move right I didn't there. say that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I like even numbers. You ever think of that? <laughs> All right, buddy. Drive safe. We'll see you tomorrow at 2.30. All right. Thanks, Greg. Hey, Greg. All right. That's Greg Boyson live from the UC. Make sure you're following him on Twitter at Greg Boyson for all sorts of great hockey insights and funny, funny stuff. Greg's a funny dude. Love that guy. Uh, okay, tomorrow's show. We're not wrapping up yet, but tomorrow's show, uh, 2.30, start time. Uh, TNT's Liam McHugh is going to join us at 3 o'clock. That's because the Hawks and Blues play Wednesday on TNT. Liam, we had him on uh, in the offseason. He was fantastic. Can't wait to talk to him. Friday, we're not at liberty to tell you who our special guest will be, but we will have a very, very special guest Friday at 11 a.m. So set a reminder. We're going to be on at a special time on Friday. It's a show you are not going to want to miss. And one more thing I want to promote. 
I wrote my Blackhawks beat piece this week for allchgo.com. Uh, we had a really great chat with Ryder Ralston after the Notre Dame game on Friday. He spoke very highly of the Blackhawks development staff. So uh, I'm going to share that interview with you. And then today, on the heels of Ryder Ralston's comments, I was able to talk to player development coach Eric Condra, who gave a little bit of context to uh, how the Blackhawks treat their prospects, how they communicate, those sort of things. It's typically behind the paywall at lchgo.com. Tomorrow's will be unlocked, so check it out. It's going to be uh, something you're going to want to read uh, about someone who's kind of in the mid-tier of Blackhawks prospects and his experience so far with the Blackhawks. And remember, Ryder Ralston is a draft pick of the Avalanche, so he has a good comparison to draw. We want to thank the Lebowski Five for the $20 Super Chat. That's a costly typo for you, pal. I know you meant two bucks. <laughs> well, we're going to take your money and run with it. He says, when the Hawks build their dynasty foundation, built their dynasty foundation from 02 to 07, was there a unified focus effort like this current plan, or did it just kind of unfold and happen that way because that was the culmination of three GM's plans? No, there was not a plan. There was very rarely a plan in the Bill Wirtz era. It was how can we try to sell some tickets but not not be too good, those sort of things. Uh, Duncan Keith was a second-round pick that worked out great. Brent Seabrook worked out great. Uh, the Patrick Sharp trade, which at the time was just sort of thought of like a swap of minor leaguers, worked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, they were bad enough to land Kane and Taves in back-to-back drafts. Took them some, uh, some yeah. ping-pong ball luck to get Patrick Kane, but it worked out. Yes, and then Marion Hosa was the final piece uh, as the free agent signing entering the 2010 season, but they already had Keith and Seabrook were already playing for the Hawks when they drafted Kane and Taves. They also had drafted Tuomo Rutu, uh, who battled injuries and then turned into Andrew Ladd in a trade there. Ladd was an important part of things. Chris Versteeg was a – that was a trade too the first time. So, yeah, some some savvy moves. Bufflin was a – Late round draft, well, yeah, that turned out they had a lot of things just kind of pan out for them, mm-hmm. uh, really, really well. So that's but, it. Draft yeah, well, and it wasn't a concerted effort though, because no. usually a team that runs through three GMs in a short amount of time, right? Uh, that is not a plan. That, no, that is the plan didn't work with you. Next guy up. Yeah, definitely. I got a little bit more of the show to go here. want to remind everybody that the Comet Energy Efficiency Program is committed to helping families and businesses in the communities they serve save money and energy. Comet offers free facility assessments that can help find energy-saving opportunities, whether it's lighting, HVAC systems, commercial kitchen equipment, or industrial processes. An authorized engineer will work with you to develop a detailed assessment plan specific to your goals and needs. These can be done in person or virtually and last approximately two hours. Within three to four weeks, customers will receive a report detailing energy efficiency projects that they can start working on immediately. Each recommendation will include estimated energy savings, cost savings, project costs, potential incentives, and simple payback. Don't wait. Get started saving money and energy today. For energy saving tips and to schedule your free facility assessment, go to comed.com slash powering biz. That's comed.com slash powering biz. And if you're ready to sign up for a facility assessment, give them a call at 855-433-2700 during normal business hours to speak with a comed energy efficiency program rep. 
Email businessee at comed.com or request an assessment online on their website at comed.com slash facility assessment. Uh, I don't have a great segue from comed to pins and aces, so I'm just going to go right into it. Pins and aces. That was fine, too. Pins and aces, the official golf apparel sponsor of CHGO and the presenting sponsor for the Big Drive Energy Golf Podcast on the All City Network. Uh, They are great partners with us here at CHGO. They make great golf apparel for all of you uh, golfers out there. And if you want to look your best out on the course and get all of the compliments while you're shooting 110, uh, get yourself some pins and aces gear. You're going to be looking great. They are a family-owned golf and apparel business, so you got to love that. They make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and the fan-favorite beer sleeve, the innovative product that allows you to store up to seven of your favorite beers right there inside your bag and keep them cold the entire round. Uh, You might not need that now in November, but uh, if you're making some golf trips out to Florida or Arizona, uh, that'll be definitely needed uh, out there to stay cool, stay hydrated. So check out pinsandaces.com. When you do, use the promo code CHGO. And it, when you do that, you're going to get 15% off of your first order and get free shipping. Again, that's pinsandaces.com, promo code CHGO. Got a comment in the chat here from uh, Sam. And he says, there was only one GM that did the work. Give Dale Talon all the credit. That is absolutely false. Mike Smith, Dale Talon's predecessor, drafted Duncan Keith, James Wisniewski, Adam Burrish, Brent Seabrook, Corey Crawford, and Dustin Bufflin. Some important names on that So, list. no, it was not all Dale Talon. It was absolutely not all Dale Talon. So, untrue. That is a misconception. Um, Dale Talon had a big part of it, mm-hmm. namely Kane and Taves, which were probably the easier ones to pick than the other guys I named. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, it was not a one-man show. Uh, and, look, he who shall not be named – also deserves some credit for maintaining things when Talon left because I don't think he lost his mind until he signed that Brent Seabrook extension. <laughs> I think that's really when he who shall not be named uh, hit the tank. Before then, he wasn't perfect, but pretty good job at keeping that team competitive despite all the players they lost over the years. Some of them do do mismanagement. That is true. Right. Um, but did a nice job of keeping the Hawks competitive for a long time. So I think he does deserve some credit when you look at the Blackhawks history books, but I know people don't like him because he didn't play. Various reasons. And he's kind of weird, but whatever. (laughs) All right, let's do it. It is time for the DraftKings King of the Game. And if you were with us in the last segment, you probably guessed who it's going to (laughs) be. That's right. It's the captain, Jonathan Taves, making a lovely Taves face on the graphic today. Perfect. Uh, Five shots on goal. A shot blocked, 82% from the faceoff dot, almost 20 minutes uh, on the ice for the Hawks. Uh, just has really, really, really been great. And, and I'll say it, like, uh, I'll point the thumb at myself. I had big concerns watching him play in the preseason. Mm-hmm. I thought Jonathan Taze was cooked. I thought he was done. He has proven me wrong, and he's been awesome, and I'm so happy to see it because personally – I don't want my last memories of Jonathan Taves to be uh, a guy who was a shadow of himself. It's great to see him bouncing back. And hockey fans, it is finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. If you're a new customer, 
you can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. Today, Mario, on the way in, I had to call my old cell phone provider because Mm. I have a credit, but I no longer have an account, so I need them to cut me a check. Mm. Long story short, I was on hold. Bubble Toes by Jack Johnson was the hold music. So I said, (laughs) what the hell? I'm going to put five bucks down on Jack Johnson to score at plus 1,800 tonight. I thought it was the universe sending me a message. It wasn't. I'm out five bucks, but hey, uh, had he scored, I would have kicked myself in the ass all the way back to Homewood. <laughs> so if bets like Jack Johnson plus 1,800 aren't enough, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with those awesome same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code CHGO. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 back in free bets if they do. That's code CHGO at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Yeah, my uh, my DraftKings bets tonight did not go well. No. Uh, I, I, I tried to get adventurous and uh, have the Blackhawks cover the one-and-a-half goal spread. They did not. Uh, and then I wanted to, uh, you know, get get adventurous in the Monday night football game. Uh, had a, had a same-game parlay uh, that hinged on the Eagles winning. The uh, previously undefeated Eagles. Did they end up losing? They lost. Oh. So, yeah. The I'm sure Eagles. Philly's taking it and They well. lost by 11, too. Screwed me Ooh. over. Yeah. Yeah. No one saw that coming. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough for the old bank account. But, hey, you know what? I'll be back at it tomorrow. <laughs> uh, Bijan. I think I'm saying your name right, Bijan. If I'm not, please correct me phonetically in the chat. He says, uh, he who shall not be named lost his mind trading Philip Deneau and the second-round pick for Dale Weiss and the other guy. He sure did. The other guy was Thomas Fleischman. Uh, that, at least at the time, was communicated as a Quenville thing. The Q needed some veteran grit on the team, and he got it in Dale Weiss and Thomas Fleischman. The problem yeah. is both those guys sucked and were not good for the Blackhawks, and uh, Philip Deneau continues to be an absolute stud. Uh, for the LA Kings, uh, formerly the Canadians. So that was a tough one. That's for damn sure. So thanks for the reminder, Bijan. I guess we can go back in the time machine one of these days and pinpoint the exact day he who shall not be (laughs) named lost his damn full mind. Yeah. Um, But there's going to be a lot of things to choose from. But, yeah, I I think it's as as we go through history and you look at who holds responsibility or, I guess, who gets the credit most for the Blackhawks dynasty, there is a really strong argument for Mike Smith. There really yeah. is because those ones, Kane and Taves at, at one and at three are easy. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's those later round ones that really paid off that made a huge difference. So it's a good argument to have in the summer. And that's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's a lesson that I think Kyle Davidson and his staff uh, obviously is trying to learn is that you need to be able to not only hit, on your top picks, but also, you know, dig deep in the draft and be able to find some of those players that can bring uh, different qualities that you need uh, to continue to build this team out to be a contender that, you know, you, you have to unearth some of those guys. And for whatever reason, some of the, some of those guys might get overlooked. 
uh, they might fall, but you got to be able to find find those guys in in, in the later rounds because championship teams are not always built with just oh first round draft pick, first round draft pick, first Correct. round draft pick. Like yep. you have to find players in the second, third, fourth, fifth, seventh rounds that yeah they might take time to get here, but when they do, they went through the proper channels, they went through the proper development path, and and they had that talent that you know the Blackhawks scouting department has to find. So I I think as far as Davidson and his staff goes, um, if you've been following Greg and I's rebuild reports, uh, I think you know you're seeing that this 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 last draft class has has made some significant impacts in their different uh, uh, leagues, both in Europe and in North America, um, and the the 2021 class as well has made you know there's a, there's a lot of talent there, top to bottom. So. I'm encouraged by that, and I'm excited for the 2023 draft. Whenever it gets here, if you want, I know this was a, a while. This was a tough game uh, to watch, and if you want to feel good about things, we mentioned this the other day. But in case you miss it, Craig Button, who works for TSN in Canada, he's like their scout, really high up on the World Junior Championships. His projected Team Canada defense includes Kevin Korczynski, Ethan Delmastro, and Nolan Allen, three mm-hmm. Blackhawks on the projected Team Canada World Junior Championship roster. Um, Frank Nazar, if healthy, will probably play for the U.S. He won't be healthy. He won't be healthy, but he would have. <laughs> he would have been. been in the mix, yeah. Yeah, for like sure. there, you know, there's a, sure. there are some guys who will be Blackhawks soon. And, and I know a lot of people in the chat are saying, well, six years before they can win again. That doesn't mean before they're competitive, though. I think three or four years, you're probably looking at a playoff sniff maybe a round win, round upset or something. So it's not going to be that long. And I, and I think, you know, just be patient. I know this is hard, but we're going to have some fun along the way, and we appreciate you being here with us uh, while we do. It's really great to have you all here. So we're going to wrap things up. Reminder, we're back tomorrow, 2.30 p.m. We'll start the show off talking about Luke Richardson and his philosophy, and then at 3 o'clock we're going to get a call in from Liam McHugh from TNT to preview uh, Hawks and Blues and just talk hockey in general. Should be a great time. If you've not done it already, smash that like button. Uh, make sure you're following all of us on Twitter. I'm at Jay Zawoski. Greg is at Greg Boyson. Mario is at Mario underscore Tirabasi. And the whole show is at CHGO underscore Blackhawks. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 2.30 on the CHGO Blackhawks podcast.